Leadership is a primary extension of God's first commission for humanity to rule in His image. Because the world had different ideas about how to lead, Jesus came to model what kingdom leadership looks like. So join me, Julie Lefebvre, and my team of rotating co-hosts as we seek to encourage and equip kingdom leadership on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Kingdom Leadership Podcast. This is Julie Lefebvre, and I am so excited to welcome the first of my co-hosts, Jimmy Nickel, to the podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. All right, everyone. If you listen to the preview, you know that Jimmy is one of our team of three co-hosts. Dave and Chuck will be joining me for future episodes And we're just excited to have a team that will be rotating on and off, partly so we can hear different perspectives on different topics. So Jimmy, this is your day, and we have dreamed about being able to do a podcast together. So I just want to celebrate that it's happening. I don't know how many times in our conversations over the last few years, we've said, this would really be great to talk about on the podcast. (laughs) And I just think if only we had recorded those conversations. I know, it would make our job a lot easier right now, wouldn't it? Okay, well, everyone, this is our first go-round with this. And so we just want to acknowledge that uh, things may change. But for now, we're going to stick with the format where we use our group values to kind of sandwich our main topic. And so what that looks like is that we will start by really leaning into the experiencing grace part of our value. Uh, We want to start with that, and then we're going to dive into the main topic, uh, which today is going to be how to lead in an age of us against them. And then we're going to finish up our time, our conversation, with the second part of our value, which is becoming like Jesus. And that's where we're going to work to find some application points to help us to become more like him so that we can lead like him. So let's just jump in to experiencing grace. And what we really would love to do is to start each podcast by reflecting on how we have experienced grace in the past week. So Jimmy, what do you have for us? How have you experienced grace in this past week? Okay. Well, I was thinking just this past year has included so much change and transition in our church on top of a global pandemic, a political election, racial tension. There's just been Mm, so so many many things things that are hard. And I think often when there are so many hard things, it's so easy to just feel unsettled and not know and question and not know, um, yeah, if this is the best place. But in the last week or so, I feel like God just gave me this yeah, grace gift of feeling such a settledness with being here at our church and feeling like this just, there just really is no other place that I want to be. And I, I feel like that's a gift in a time of such, um, yeah, confusion and transition. Yeah. It does feel like things have just been unsettled and insecure. Uh, for me, when I was thinking about this, you know, how have I experienced grace? I, I, remembered that, well, it wasn't very hard to remember because it was yesterday, (laughs) but (laughs) I was just thinking about how, you know, grace is when somebody uh, moves toward me 
when, especially when I don't deserve it. And so you experienced that, you know, kind of with God directly. And I experienced it yesterday in staff meeting because we were discussing our book, A Gentle Answer, and we were talking about the ways that we were so challenged by Jesus's response to people who were cynical toward him. You know, they would come at him with barbs and he just never repaid that. And so we were just talking about how, man, this is what we want to be. And then probably not 10 minutes later after that conversation, a topic came up and my response to that topic was anything but grace giving. I It wasn't gentle. It wasn't, it, it was just harsh. And the way, so I didn't deserve grace or gentleness back. And yet uh, the staff still gave it to me. Uh, they kind of, they leaned in toward me. Um, and yeah, I just felt like I experienced God's grace through them at a time where I just did not deserve it. I could have done better. So it was just powerful. And it's just so interesting how grace really does pave the way for just continued relationships. So absolutely. Well, in our preview episode, we talked about how the real purpose of kingdom leadership is defined by how we care for others. And this is just a challenging concept for me Because again, we mentioned, you know, we are living in a season of conflict, of tension, where it seems like everyone is against everyone. And this past year has presented challenges that I don't think any of us have faced before. And part of that brings with it this reality where it seems like everyone has a different perspective about everything. So today we wanted to have a conversation about what it looks like to engage kingdom leadership when we are regularly interacting with people who have different opinions, different ideas, different perspectives. How do we do this? How have you seen just this reality play out in your leadership sphere? Well, I think in one of our many conversations, even this summer, we were talking about how people seem to be moving to more and more extreme positions that it's as if each side has to show that they can move further from the other side. And, and then you add, um, a quarantine on top of that, where people are at home and not regularly with people. I feel like that amplifies the differences. I think when we're able to be with people face to face in person, often our disagreement can take a back seat to our relationships Um, But it's really hard to do when we're not actually in community and with people. It is hard. You know, I've, I have also thought just, you said, you kind of touched on two, two ideas there. And so I want to go back to the idea of people moving to extremes. It's almost as if in this season where nothing feels secure, people Mm -hmm. really need something that feels safe. And so the safest thing is the most extreme thing, right? It's the thing that's farthest away from the source of their fear. And so I think that plays into why people are, and when I say people, you know, me included, it's we're, we're looking for something that feels stable and secure, and that's going to be the thing that's farthest away from our perceived threat, whether it's real or not. 
Um, and I think we've just seen that play out. And, and so it almost creates, like you said, kind of this one-upsmanship, like, well, if this side's going to go uh, get a little extreme, well, I have to kind of match it and, and raise it one. Exactly. And then the second thing that you ta- that you touched on was just how it seems like that pattern is made, I don't know, I don't know if it's worse or just feels worse when we've been forced into this isolation and we're not forced to uh, continue to interact with people because there's something powerful that happens when you sit across the table from somebody and look in their eyes and talk about something. There's something that different happens there than if we're interacting over social media or something electronic, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. I think when you're together, the person takes priority over their view. Mm -hmm. And so you remember that they're more than just this one opinion, um, that they're, that's only part of who they are. Yeah. Well, and yeah, you alluded to this that, yeah, then the, the relationship remains more important than the issue, but we lose sight of relationship when we're not forced to engage the relationship as much. Throughout this series that Dave has been talking about on Sunday mornings, he has challenged us by identifying that we are either ruling in the image of God or in the image of the serpent. And the first time he said that, it just kind of took me back because I thought, you know, who would choose to rule in the image of the serpent? And yet I have found myself doing it over and over again because when I start ruling in out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Mm. then all of a sudden I realize, oh my goodness, I am off track. And so I just want to talk about that a little bit. You know, how does this tension that we're living through right now tempt us toward a worldly leadership or if we want to go so far as, you know, ruling in the image of the serpent versus ruling in the image of God? I think worldly leadership is primarily concerned with the leader himself or herself. And then I think you add to that this tension that we're experiencing and tension just draws our eyes inward. Our mm. feelings get in the way of our seeing and our of our ability to have perspective. So kingdom leadership requires us to shift our focus to those we are leading. But I think it also forces us, like kingdom leadership requires us to keep our eyes on who we are leading others to as well. You know, it's so interesting because, you know, no wonder we are tempted toward looking at ourselves because we're, we're protecting, right? Everything Mm. is insecure in our lives. And it just makes me think, I know we've talked about it here at Westridge before, but I just continue to remember that illustration of somebody who's standing on a chair. And if they're standing on a four-legged chair, that's solid, then that person has the capacity to look around and take others into their consideration. And maybe if they see somebody else falling, they would have time to hop off the chair and help that person. But as soon as that person steps over onto a rubber exercise ball, which I don't know if it's even possible to stand on an exercise ball. I highly doubt it. I I do too. But if you would try, then that's going to be so insecure that that person on top of of that ball is not going to have the capacity to consider anyone else. They're going to be flailing their arms 
and doing everything they can to stay on that ball. And I just wonder if that it's not an excuse necessarily, but it is an explanation of why it has become so difficult to lead others um, outside of ourselves right now. Well, and I think that in some ways we've all been standing on a ball for nine and 10 months now. And so not only is it hard, it's also exhausting. So I think people are just at the end of themselves in many ways. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said too, that so often kingdom leadership requires us to remember who we are leading others to. And that reminds me of Henry Blackaby's book, it's called Spiritual Leadership, and he defines leadership as moving people on to God's agenda. And it's just that idea that you know leadership isn't leading people toward what I want them to do. It's not, it doesn't really have anything to do with me. Great kingdom leadership is being able to, first of all, know and understand God's agenda for ourselves and for others, and then helping to move other people toward that. Okay, so That's our goal, right? To be able to move people toward God's agenda, which we've been talking about. You know, God's purpose for us was to lead in his image to rule for others. You know, Dave, like we discussed in the preview, the the purpose of kingdom leadership is to care for those that God has put in our sphere. And so The next question then is what needs to happen in us in order to be able to follow through? I think we have to move beyond our arguments, our stances, our need to be convinced and affirmed in -hmm. those ways and to instead find our security in our position in Christ. Our security can't come from having the right answers or the stronger argument, not in this day and age. I think we have to believe in and rest in God's great love for us and his full acceptance of us as believers. And then we won't have a need to feel threatened by those who are against us. Yeah. It makes me think of that passage uh, that where Paul challenges us to be rooted and grounded in Christ, because again, you know, there's so, so much of scripture tells us that the overflow of our heart is what comes is what we see. And so that our actions come from the overflow of our heart. And so if we're not rooting ourselves in Christ, if we're not um, getting what we need identity wise from him, then there's, then we're going to look for that through our leadership, through affirmation, through people validating our positions. Yeah. So how have you experienced personally your security feeling threatened because maybe somebody didn't agree with your stance. I know this is a controversial topic, but I think just one very practical way is even with this idea of masks during this COVID crisis. And I think what's hard is not feeling like there's just not a right answer. And there are people in in our community who span the whole spectrum as far as opinions about masks, and there's no right. And so I think that that's that's just really hard to know how to navigate all those differing opinions on something that, um, yeah, has just become a really hot topic. It has. And I know in group life, it's made leading group really difficult because what do you do? And I think this issue has become a really practical issue. How do we lead group when I have somebody in my group 
who is on at every point on the spectrum that people feel like I need masks at all times. It, you know, maybe we have people who can't even, you know, be in person and then somebody that's going to need a mask at all times. And then I have somebody else who is okay. And then somebody else who's had it. And so they don't need a mask, you know, and, and right. as we move further and further on, you know, I think the spectrum is going to even get longer and it's going to be more and more difficult. And so the challenge is being able to hold a stance in a way that it's okay for you to know what your stance is and to hold on to it and how, and then the question becomes, how do I live in community with somebody who has a different stance without feeling threatened? And I remember when all this first started and I would have people come and just share with me how, and I felt this too, that all of a sudden, you know, we were questioning, like, what does this person think of me? Because I don't know what you think of me and my stance on this particular issue. And it it made even long-term relationships feel unstable. So good example. <laughs> we are definitely living in a time where we're getting a lot of practice with having to continue to learn how to turn toward people who have different stances. You know, all of this somewhat reminds me of the rules to reigning like Jesus that Dave has brought to our attention. And, you know, I just think about um, that those who lead must be servants of all, that we love our neighbor as ourselves, that we don't repay evil with evil, but with blessing, that we um, don't take the best seats, that we do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. You know, all of these things, again, are ways for us to continue to move toward God's agenda. But man, it, you know, I, I keep carrying this card around with me everywhere. In fact, I have one in my car, I have one in my office, and I have one in my purse because I need constant reminder. But the reality is it is so much harder to follow through than just to read it. Like I wish it was as easy as just reading, reading this. So what do you think? You know, why? Why is this process? Why is this so hard to do? What threatens this? Well, I think it goes back to some of what we talked about earlier. It's really contrary to what the world expects us to do and how the mm. world expects us to live. And so um, it's hard to live in a countercultural way and maybe even more so now. And I think, yeah, I think social media plays a big role in shaping how we think we should be living and what we think we should be thinking. Yeah. And I think too, it plays on our fears. And, and again, social media does what we also talked about earlier and that it dehumanizes people. It, right. it takes the human piece out and it prioritizes the issue over the relationship or the person. And so it just helps me to realize, ah, I've got to do whatever I can to continue to personalize or give value to the person. Um, first, that that needs to be my priority. I think it'd be a great practice to, to measure how much time a person spends on social media versus how much time you spend interacting with people. And I think it would be mm. interesting to see the effect of that. That would. And then it'd be interesting to, to somehow do a study of pre-COVID and post-COVID. Exactly. Because <laughs> COVID has forced us, I think, to go digital, digital relationships. 
Well, all of this just brings us to the way we want to wrap things up. And that is with sandwiching this kind of idea, this conversation with becoming like Jesus, the second of our group values. So first part was experiencing grace. Second value is becoming like Jesus, because that's our goal. That's what we we want for ourselves. And that's what we want for the people that we lead. And so how do we lead ourselves to become more like Jesus in this tension-filled time of strong and opposing opinions? I think it's so hard. And (laughs) I think um, I'm going to give credit to Chuck. He mentioned this in our staff meeting that at the end of Jesus's prayer, just shortly before he's crucified, he says in John 17, he prays. The final part of his prayer is a prayer for unity for his followers. And he says, this is in the New Living Translation, that he says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I just felt so challenged by that to really commit in this time of strong opinions to praying for unity and encouraging our group to be praying for unity for for our church and for our the the broader the broader church right, around the, the big world. C church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think that's a whole uh, there's a whole nother conversation to be had on a maybe future podcast about what is unity and what does it really mean mm. because it can't possibly mean all of us agreeing about everything. That's not right. um Yeah. That's just not uh possible. But I do think it means um at some level one of the meanings is to center our lives around loving God and loving our neighbors. And I think that's I will never stop being challenged by just those two things. Mm, loving God and loving our neighbors. You know, that's why that's how the church can be a light is by doing what's counter to what the world does. It is challenging and for me to love God and then especially to love people, particularly during a time when I perceive that so often I'm on a different page as someone else. I just realize I have to be so grounded in my relationship with God. I don't know how many times I have tried to just take in the words of David where he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Just trying to integrate that practice, those words into my life to make them real. Because if I truly believe that I lack nothing and that I don't need people to be on the same page with me, it just frees me to love them, different opinions and all. Like it doesn't matter. And in some ways it can even lead me to this space where I can appreciate the different perspectives and I can understand them. Uh, But too often I'm threatened by the different opinions. I take them personally. I feel like I, they're more attacks instead of it's just their, their perspective. So I love the idea of, um, yeah, grounding ourselves in our relationship with Christ and that that is what can equip us to really be a part of the answer to Jesus's prayer for unity for his church. Mm. One thing I do every day in my time with God is to write down these words, I am deeply loved and fully accepted. Mm. And I do this in an effort to retrain my brain because on my own, in my flesh, I really struggle to believe that. 
Well, and the world is constantly giving you the opposite message, right? right? Like you are not accepted. You are not deeply loved. I've realized though, until I, until I am grounded and rooted in that, in the deep love and acceptance of God, I can't offer that to others, regardless of whether or not I agree with them. Yeah. And I would just say that you're one of the people who has been able to give that to me. Mm-hmm. And I've told you that before. And it's just something that I so appreciate. It it makes relationships feel safe because we're not competing. We're just able to just be. So yesterday when I was, you know, kind of rehashing the way I had screwed up, I knew I could do that with you because it was just, um, yeah, you were still, you you didn't love and accept what I did, but you loved and accepted me. And that's just a game changer. And it's what God did for us. So all this makes me think about what we could be doing in our groups to just lead our groups in the same direction. and. Part of me wonders if even just starting each group with the acknowledgement that just saying what is like, we understand that we're all in different spaces, but remember guys, we are for each other. We are with each other. We're valuing our relationships over the issues. And so let's just commit to, uh, to engaging this group time in that spirit. Yeah, I think that's great. And also just reminding everyone that we are for each other. We are with each other. It's like our brains need retrained in that way too, to remember that the people we are with are for us. Yeah. And even, you know, you had mentioned praying in our groups for unity. I think even doing, yeah, doing that every, every week, you know, what if every small group from now until the end of the semester Mm -hmm. prayed for unity, both in their group and in our church and in our, you know, the, the big C church every week. I mean, it could be really powerful just helping us to focus yeah, our hearts and minds on, on what Jesus cared about. I am with you and for you. I am with you and for you. <laughs> Thank heavens. <laughs> and that's the type of place that we want Westridge to be. It's the, it's what we want our groups to be. Uh, we want to be, we want it to be the space where it is safe. It's okay that we're on different spaces on the spectrum of if we wear a mask or not. It's okay if we have different political views. I guarantee you, you probably have different political views represented in your groups. And yet those are not the main things. The main things are loving Jesus, loving people, engaging in the type of kingdom leadership that Jesus did to uh, to serve people, to care for people. So I'm really excited to have to be getting this started, uh, this process, this conversation. And I just want to say that we recognize, I mean, we haven't recorded many of these yet, but most of the time we are probably not going to say anything new on this podcast. But our hope is that our conversations will keep us coming back to the truth that Jesus has told us, that it's going to be reminders of the principles that Jesus calls us to remember and practice and implement in our own leadership. Well, I'm so excited. I'm so excited that we finally got to do this. And um, I just want to remind everyone that we are going to be kind of having a book club episode coming up. So if you want to read along with us, go grab a copy of Scott Saul's book, 
a gentle answer, our secret weapon in an age of us against them. It may or may not have been the inspiration for today's conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And we will put a link in the show notes so you can order it today. Yeah, we're excited to to be able to talk through that. And yes, I echo Jimmy's sentiments. Just so excited to be able to talk with you. So thank you for joining us for this conversation. Thank you for your grace of listening to all of our flibs and flubs on this first time. But we do hope you will join us again next time. May His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven in our leadership. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.